Section 17 of The Rose-Colored World and Other Fantasies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Melissa Green. The Rose-Colored World and Other Fantasies by Ethel Mary Brody. Prue's Gardner, Chapter 3. It was a month after Donald Jackson had stopped Wildfire in her giddy flight. The sudden checking of the horse had tipped the phaeton and thrown out both girls. Maida had fallen on a grassy mound. Except for the fright and a few bruises, she was all right. But Prue's head had struck a stone and caused a slight concussion. She had been ill for days afterwards, so ill that the home was quieter than ever and its members went about on tiptoe. For a while they almost despaired of Prue's life. During that time, Donald looked nearly as white as the invalid. He moved among the flowers like a sick man. Day by day he inquired after Prudence and picked out the choicest and sweetest of the flowers to send to her room. Maida had noticed some American beauties among them. She was certain that they were not out of Daddy's garden. Donald must have got them in Aspirin, though she had never seen American beauties there. And of course Chicago was too far away. And of course that was ridiculous anyway. Donald was only a poor gardener. Maida laughed at herself. Wouldn't Prue think she was silly, but she wouldn't tell her. Prudence was too ill to notice flowers, and so the days wore on. But convalescence did come. Maria McCutcheon's careful nursing, aided not a little by Maida's cheerfulness and her readiness to do all she could, soon had their effect on Prue. And as the invalid grew stronger, Maida would sit by her bedside reading or chatting or relating Donald's wonderful tales. Sometimes she would make some little dainty with her own hands, which Maria had taught her, or she would bring in some fruit, and nothing pleased her better than to bring Prudence one of Donald's bouquets, the American beauties mixed with the white roses from the bush on the knoll. One day Prudence noticed them. Where did those American beauties come from, Maida? I don't know where they came from, said Maida, fearing to let her sister know as she remembered Prue's dislike of Donald in the past. "'Who gave them to me?' asked Prudence, turning suddenly on Maida. "'Donald,' breathed the child ever so softly, her eyes filling with tears. "'Donald!' exclaimed Prudence coldly. "'He has little need to spend his small wages on me. "'He has more need to spend them on himself.' "'Are you offended with him, Prue?' "'No, dear, I'm not. "'But Donald is only a gardener, a very ordinary man.' "'And a proud look crossed Prue's face.' Maida walked over to the window, and there was silence between them. It lasted for several minutes, and then Prue heard a low sob, and another. Maida was crying. "'Come here, dearie,' said the elder sister gently. "'I did not mean to be unkind. I am very grateful to Donald for saving our lives, and you may thank him from me for the American beauties. It was very kind of him to buy them for me, and kind of him to inquire after me.' but don't expect too much of Sister Prue. I wish you would tell him all that yourself, Prue. He looks so white and tired. He works so hard, you know, and I think it would do him good if you were kind to him. Would it please you, Maida? Yes, indeed, answered the little girl, brightening. Very much. Then I shall do so when I am up again, said Prudence. And she lay back on the lounge with a deep sigh and slept. Some days later, Prudence Chesterfield was able to come downstairs. One sunny afternoon in August, she wandered into the flower gardens. It was one of the quiet, dreamy days which come in the month of the harvest moon. 
except for a light zephyr which gently stirred the foliage of the oaks and firs on the knoll and the nodding heads of the flowers the air was still only the occasional chirrup of a sleepy songster and the soft purling of silverdyke disturbed the drowsy silence the tall hollyhocks near the porch bent their crimson heads to whisper together yellow asters velvety dahlias the blue and purple cornflowers the variegated poppies and nasturtiums the simple pink the proud canna lilies and a host of other flowers fluttered at the zephyr's kiss in an old-fashioned bed which surrounded the piazza in a rainbow flash of brilliant colouring even the leaves of the stiff and stoic geranium in its conventional borderline encircling a bed of citified propriety drooped lazily in the august heat in the orchard the apples fell with a soft thud beyond the orchards where the ruddy apple and purple plum held sway the grasses of field and meadow bowed before the breeze in a glowing checkerboard of golden brown further still were the green hills patches of their woodlands already yellowing with the closing season prudence crossed the lawn to her favourite rustic seat on the knoll she stood there a moment plucked one of the white roses off her bush and pinned it to her dress then she wandered to a clump of firs near by she wanted to be alone so she spread a rug and cushions on the grass in the centre of a triangle of fir trees and lay down to doze and dream it was a day for dreaming and prudence closed her eyes the figure of donald rose before her as he looked the first day they met a tall strong man with the hazel eyes that seemed to read her through and through prudence opened her eyes to rid herself of the vision and her eyes lit on the white rose pinned to her dress she threw it impatiently on the grass and closed her eyes again but donald would come and sleep would not donald had been coming ever since that day when his eyes first gazed into hers but prudence chesterfield was a proud girl the idea of an ordinary gardener she had been angry for months no one knew it and donald only saw a freezing exterior which he might contemplate as he pleased why could not her thoughts be free of that gardener he provoked her and then prudence thought of the way he had saved maida and herself and her heart melted she was a brave girl and admired courage and strength in others she had to acknowledge that donald had done a fine thing when he stopped frightened wildfire she could not say that any ordinary man might have done that because any ordinary man would not have stopped so mad a creature and then prudence sighed since the day he came she had frozen him patronized him condescended to him and avoided him and now that he had saved her life and maida's prudence felt that she could not continue treating him as she had done what was she to do and what about her promise to maida she thought she had been keeping out of his way lately and yet when she came to think about it she had not seen him once perchance it was he who was so studiously avoiding her and prue's cheeks flushed with unreasonable indignation the anger was short-lived for another thought entered her mind and she bit her lip as her habit was when anything annoyed and at the same time dominated her the thought said to prudence you have been avoiding him because you are afraid of him or is it that you are afraid of yourself you have been seeking him in this garden for days and he is not here why and because he is not here you are angry why prudence tossed her head petulantly and said to herself well sir gardener this may or may not be but it matters not a whit for i am the affianced bride of minute braid whom i don't know and have not seen for years and then prudence laughed outright then she grew serious again donald was a brave strong man and his hazel eyes were really very fine even if they were small and if all maida told her was true donald must know a great deal 
her father found him pleasant and useful maida found him interesting and kind and she found him brave she began to feel that she knew donald indeed had known him a long long time what was she to say and what would she do when they met again prudence picked up the white rose and studied it a while dreamily it was a lovely rose so sweet and fragrant and such a beautiful pure white prudence laid her soft cheek against its dainty petals and closed her eyes sighing contentedly then pride crept in and whispered what would your proud father think of you donald is only an ordinary man a gardener he has gentle manners but a gardener prudence opened her eyes quickly and threw the white rose angrily into the firs where it caught on the sharp green needles and hung head downward i am to be minot braid's wife said she proudly but pride like her late anger and laughter soon subsided prudence buried her face in her hands and the tears trickled slowly down her cheeks so far her life had been smooth clear and bright she could not face this new life she did not want to fight the battle nor to solve the problem the present was fight the future my story silently weeping prudence was oblivious to the fact that donald and maida had come to the knoll maida was sitting on the rustic bench donald on the grass oh donald how funny it was maida's voice and a peal of laughter from donald followed prudence sat up and peered through the firs evidently they had not seen her the fir trees were thick and they sat with their backs toward her tell me your new story of prue's rosebush donald what story miss maida why donald you haven't forgotten it have you you said yesterday when you were trimming it that you remembered a story about it which you had intended telling me some weeks ago but wildfire's runaway had put it out of your head did i yes you did donald oh of course i remember now you'll tell it to me won't you said maida pleadingly certainly if you would care to hear it i have some time to spare so if you are patient i shall tell it i'm patient laughed maida adding in a childlike tone of command begin once upon a time began donald there was a great princess she had large blue eyes and curly brown hair everyone loved her in her kingdom for she was as good as she was pretty lovely exclaimed maida softly just like my prue when she came of age she was to be married to a prince and made queen over his realm at the same time splendid interjected maida she had only seen the prince when she was a little girl continued donald just my age interrupted maida yes but her mother had promised her to him years ago like my prue and mine upbraid inquired maida perhaps said donald smiling but this princess was proud and said nothing though i think she felt angry at her mother's promise one day in the autumn her page died and the princess had to find a new one for there was no one to take charge of the little ceremonies the page had to perform it was a lovely afternoon when the new page arrived such a glorious summer day why donald you said it was autumn did i well i meant may of course you know better than i do donald but i thought may was a part of spring well said donald apologetically may was summertime where this princess lived indeed where she lived it was summertime all the time how odd exclaimed maida there now miss maida you must not interrupt again or i shall forget everything all right go on donald 
The sun was shining so brightly, all the flowers were out, and the birds were singing their sweetest, and the orchards were in blossom. Orchards like ours? From Maida. Exactly, said Donald. The page came into the princess's garden, and he thought her very pretty when he saw her. But being a poor page, he was very humble, and the princess ordered him off to his duties. Why was he humble? asked Maida. Because, because he couldn't very well help it. He was only a page, and she was a princess. But I don't understand it, if he was a good man, protested Maida. The princess knew nothing about him, and she was very wise, said Donald. She sent him to his work. He made a good page, at least everyone thought so, but the princess. How funny of the princess, Donald. The page fell in love with the princess, went on the gardener, ignoring Maida's interruption. And the princess had a white rose bush, just like this one, so he gathered a rose every day for her. He did his work well because he loved her. And the princess kept the page, although she showed him that she did not like him at all. Everyone else liked him but her. One day the princess went out for a drive, and the horses got frightened at a train and ran away very fast. The page was gathering a rose from the bush that day, when he heard the horses' hose clattering along the road toward the castle. "'Just like wildfire!' cried Maida excitedly. He rushed out and caught the horses and stopped them. "'How brave of him!' exclaimed Maida. "'No, it wasn't very wonderful. The page was very strong and fond of horses.' He knew what to do and how to manage them. Indeed, he had ridden on horses. The princess did not seem grateful for this, naturally. It was nothing. But the page did hope that she would like him a little bit after that. He fell more in love with her than ever now that he had saved her. She had always been so cold to him, he could not endure the thought of her being that way again after the runaway. So he decided to leave her. Donald paused. Oh, is that all? How horrid! Why don't they love each other and marry? I'm sure if she had been an American girl, she would have. We are all equal here. Wait, said Donald. I haven't finished. The page left her, but the day drew near for the princess's marriage, and wonderful preparations were made. The castle was decorated with flowers and flags. The gentlemen and ladies were gorgeously dressed in satins and silks, and the princess watched and watched but she could not see him coming. "'What kept him so long?' asked Maida. "'He wasn't sure if the princess loved him, any more than the page was,' returned Donald. "'Oh, dear! What did she do? How awful!' Donald sat quiet for a few moments, and Prudence buried her face in her hands among the fir trees. "'Finish it, Donald, do! Make the princess love him, do!' Donald paused as if to add something, and then he went on. Well, the princess had another rose-bush planted beside hers. A bigger, stronger one, but not a prettier or daintier rose-bush. The princess's rose-bush was the loveliest of all rose-bushes. And every day, as long as they lived, they picked a rose from each bush. Their lives, their love, their white roses, lived and died together. And so ends the story. That princess makes me think of my Prue. Only I don't think his being a prince would have made her love him when she did not love a page. Neither do I, said Donald. And that's just it. You see, I ended it that way to please you. Do you think a princess would marry a page? Yes, 
If he were a brave man and a kind man like you, Donald, that oughtn't to make any difference. Donald laughed heartily at the child's reasoning. From her corner among the firs, Prudence had heard Donald's story. She had listened willingly what a musical baritone voice he had. Her interest had grown with the story. It seemed so real. She wished it had been true, only that the prince had been a gardener. But why didn't the princess love the page in the first place and not wait till he was a prince? Then came the thought of Minot Braid to trouble her mind. She did not know him, and she did not love him. Yet she was taking it for granted that they were to be married. How could he love her, whom he had never known? Mary Minot Braid, such nonsense! Prudence peeped through the branches at Donald. I will not marry Minot Braid, no indeed. He may be as rich as Croesus and as wise as Solomon, but I will not marry him. I will marry whom I please. That is, if I can. I mean, if he loves me, at least— and Prudence stopped thinking. Prudence stopped for two reasons. One, because she could not think any longer. The other, her father was standing across the lawn, calling Donald to bring some tools lying near the fir trees. The girl gasped, then rose slowly to her feet. Donald was coming toward the trees, and there was no escape for her. He did not know she was there, and she hoped he would not see her. She watched him coming. She saw him start. He had seen her. But Donald picked up the tools and returned to Mr. Chesterfield. Behind the firs, Prudence flushed, for their eyes had met. Shyly, she reached out and lifted the white rose she had flung away, and this proud girl pinned it on again. "'I just can't understand what's come over Miss Prue lately. She's not a bit like herself,' said Maria McCutcheon, turning over a pancake as she stood by the fire some months later. "'Don't see it.' said Dan, taking his pipe out of his mouth to contemplate his admirable spouse. "'Oh, you never see anything. No one specs you to,' returned Maria. "'But if she ain't herself, she ain't nobody else. However, I won't say as I'm right. I won't say that, Maria.' Dan puffed slowly after giving forth this wise remark. "'Stupid. Can't you see how she blushes every time the gardener goes near her?' "'Meanin' myself,' asked Dan with a grin. Idiot. You know I mean Donald. Phew. Donald, eh? exclaimed Dan in astonishment. Yes, sleephead. Donald. He's a decent fellow, but his airs is too fine for gardening. I like him fine, but he's either offended Miss Prue or he's presumptuous. Eh? What's presumptuous mean, Maria? It means that you had the impertinence to ask me to marry you when you aren't good enough for me. You needn't have said yes, Maria. But I did. You did, assented Dan with a wink. Wishin' I hadn't, remarked Maria stormily. Can't say as I see how that affects Miss Prue unless... And here Dan laid down his pipe, a thing he rarely did, and stared in amazement at Maria. Unless you're jealous. Maria turned away in disgust. Donald's a fine gardener, continued Dan, near as good as myself. Hm, from his cheerful spouse. I just like Donald fine, finished Dan, picking up his pipe again. If you do, called Donald, putting his head in at the kitchen door, you will do him a favor. Please give Mr. Chesterfield this note when he comes in. Goodbye, Maria. You're not a-going, Donald, 
exclaimed Maria in amazement. I am, Maria. Why are you going? I have to go. Donald said this in a tone of such dignity and reserve that Maria asked no more questions. Goodbye, Dan, he said and was gone. Maria McCutcheon looked at Dan. I told you so. But Dan nodded his head sagely and said, I knew it was a coming. How'd you know? snapped Maria. I heard him saying goodbye to Miss Maida yesterday and saying as how the page was a-going away because the princess, whoever she be, didn't love him. She was colder than ever and of course a page was only a page, but he might be a prince. But I won't say as how I'm right, I won't say that. I'm afeard he's a bit too fine for gardening with them stories, Dan. Dan winked and said nothing. Then a wonderful illumination took place in Maria's mind and she burst out, for all it we knows, Dan, he's a somebody. A rich somebody, Dan. And Dan McCutcheon did a thing he never did before in his life. He turned his back on his astonished spouse and marched out of the kitchen, chuckling till his body shook, chuckling till he had to remove his pipe and stop smoking. Maria McCutcheon folded her arms and looked stormily after him. I won't ask no questions, Mr. Dan, not I. But you've downed me this time, somehow or other. End of section 17. Recording by Melissa Green.